Welcome to the Power Women in Insurance Show with your host, Teresa Kitchens. Join us as we laugh, talk about hard issues, support each other, and make our industry and our world a better place. Let's go. Hey, everybody, and welcome to another amazing episode of the Power Women in Insurance podcast. Today, I have Sarah Muniz, and you know what? She was on our podcast last year, and we were so honored because she and I were just talking that she has this wonderful book out that we're going to talk about, but it was released about a year ago, and um, so we are coming in at that right about that one-year mark, a little bit earlier than that, but we're going to talk today about the journey, the joys, the ups, the downs, and all the things about it. So Sarah, welcome to the podcast. Again, how are you? I'm doing great. Thanks for inviting me back for my book anniversary. <laughs> yeah, I know. I love it. Your book anniversary. I think that's great. <laughs> we need to, you need to make like a big like social media splash around your book anniversary. I really like that. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, so I wanted to know a little bit, tell us about your book, start us off there. Tell us about your book. Tell us about the inspiration for the book. And then we're going to talk a little bit about what this really looked like for you since this book has come out and kind of the impact that it's made. So tell us. Absolutely. So it's definitely been interesting. Um, I wrote the book because I've had a lot of obstacles and barriers that I know a lot of other women face as well in the insurance industry. Yet, um, a lot of leadership is saying that there's not enough talent. So my argument is that the talent's here. It's just not being discovered, fostered and mentored the same as it would be for men. And so I really wanted to share the different stories of me and other women that have faced challenges, but also the success stories um, to show that women can be successful in leadership roles. They just have to um, have the correct opportunities and be mentored, that type of thing. So um, it's been really, it's been really interesting. Um, Undiscovered Voices came out in January of last year. And um, I've had so many women reach out to me and tell me that they felt alone in their journey. Mm. And they kind of felt like they're like, I always thought it was my fault um, that I couldn't push through a certain point. And now I realize that it's a leadership problem that needs to be fixed. It made them, they told me it made them not feel alone anymore, that they had a community that it was happening to, you know, a lot of women. Um, so I really liked that the stories resonated. And um, I had a lot of people tell me that they were, they read the book in a couple of days, because once they started, they just kept on wanting to know more and more information. Um, and it's, it was a Um, kind of like a journal for me in a way, like it really did a lot of healing so that I could see where my cycles have been and um, maybe where I can start focusing on breaking them. And I'm trying to, I have a lot of women reach out to me and ask me like, how, how do we get past this? And uh, my answer is I'm still trying to figure it out myself. (laughs) Um, It really has to come from the top and they, you know, they have to see that there's a problem that needs to be corrected. Um, It's been so like, and I've had some men who have started off as allies and then changed their mind depending on who their audience is. So I've had some interesting things happen there. Um, But I've I've also had some men who are who have been like true allies, which has been really cool. And and telling me that they really enjoyed being able to see what the industry is like from a woman's a woman's point of view. Yeah. 
Yeah. Because I, I, don't, I don't think that's something a lot of people talk about, you know, I mean, from a woman, especially men, because if they, I mean, people hang out with people that they're like, right? A lot of men mm-hmm. hang out with a lot of men, right? And I don't think women speak up about the the things that are going on in the industry, or at least their feelings about things that are going on in the industry as much as as much as you would think. So, you know, I think I think that's interesting that 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 maybe you know your your book has been a way that people could really connect with knowing that other side of the conversation. Absolutely, yeah. And there hasn't been a book that has been as transparent as far as I've seen right? Um, with different situations and then also with solutions. But I think really the personal stories is what um, draws people in. And then I have a lot of, I have a lot of research to back it up, but of course, personal stories are always more interesting to Absolutely. see what it's like. Um, and it's been humbling to have um, people reach out and either, you know, look, at, look up to me which I'm kind of like, well, I'm not sure that I'm the person to look up to. <laughs> um, still trying to figure it out myself. Um, but also to to have um, men in the industry say, oh my gosh, I'm going to help make these changes too. Because the book's all about collaboration. I really wanted it to be collaboration that we all work together to make um, strides for the next generation. You know, And that was a big part of my book was talking about how Gen Z views insurance and how to attract more. And if we're doing the right things and there's equal opportunity for all, then that's going to be attractive to Gen Z. But if they're seeing struggles for different genders or races, they're going to be less inclined to want to join us. Yeah. Yeah. So Interesting. So, okay. So you came out with the book last year and just for all of our listeners out there, it is called Undiscovered Voices. And, um, and we, I would love to know kind of where some of these conversations have really been able to take you. Cause I love exactly what you just said, which was the concept that, you know, maybe men didn't hear as much about women's perspective on this. Have you seen, cause I mean, you've, you've been able to speak at multiple different podcasts and meetings and, and conferences and different things like that. How have you seen this message really being received? Are you seeing that there's we're increasing that conversation around this topic about empowering, being better leaders? Because I think being a better leader is something, like you said, we need to be aware that we need better leaders. And then number two, we also need to be open to their leadership. And um have you have you been able to have some really good conversations around that and what that would look like for the insurance industry and how we can be better leaders in the insurance industry? Yeah, absolutely. I've been on um, a few panels and mostly everything's been online this year. I do have some conferences I'm speaking at next year in 2023, which I'm super excited about. Um, but I've been able to really voice what's going on and share my ideas. And for the most part, most people are really receptive. And some of the panels that I've been on, it was actually male-owned companies that they wanted to have a woman's DEI kind of panel with different women with different backgrounds and and hear their stories. So that's been really um, that's been really cool. That so before I wrote this book, I would say that. Nobody really knew who Sarah Munis was. I didn't really have a voice in the industry. And so it's been really exciting to be able to share my voice and be someone who is more known. 
um, for helping others. Cause that's really, you know, where my heart is, is to make sure that we can, we can help one another and make Absolutely. the industry better. Absolutely. And I think like you mentioned too, especially with the, the next generation coming in that Gen Z, we need to be that voice of unity of being an equal opportunity industry. And like you said, not just women, but across the board, transgender, you know, all of it. Right. And so, you know, race, color, space, you know, orientation, all of it. And how can we as an industry be in that space. I think it starts with having these conversations. I think it starts with being in this space for this type of conversation around a a table. But what beyond a conversation can we do? What organizations can we partner with? What can we do to help our agencies, our space to be more aware of these challenges in the workspace? So I think it starts with listening Um, really listening to what everyone's saying without, it's really hard. So a lot of times we listen, but we're really just thinking about what the next thing is that we want to say. And a lot of times when there's conversations, you know, people interrupt one another because they're not really truly taking that time to listen. So um, we, we just need to take, I mean, like that's step one is that There needs to be open communication where leadership's truly taking in what um, their staff is saying and what in implementing some of those ideas or collaborating to make the workspace more inclusive. Yeah, I can use one example that a lot of people don't think about, but I'm my uh, faith is Judaism in the workplace. There's prayers that are Christian prayers and there's, um, you know, music, like very religious music playing. And that makes me not feel included. It makes Mm. me feel like an outsider. So a lot of like, there's little things that unless you tell your leadership and you have to be not afraid of their reaction too, because if leadership reacts like, oh, you're just being sensitive then you're not truly listening to how that's making someone feel in the workplace and yeah. how to make it more inclusive for everyone. Yes. So, yes. Um, um, that's just a kind of like an outside outside of the box kind of, not really outside of the box, but just something that a lot of people don't think about, especially in Texas, you know? So, and then, you know, if people are going to, if your leadership is going to play golf with clients all the time, And I'm not saying that women don't play golf, but it tends to be a sport that more men play. That can also be a way to exclude women from the, from the event in a sense. Right. A lot of companies I hear do like, um, what is it? Cigar nights or like whatever, you know, they do, they do things like that, that are more male oriented. So really being able to look at the culture of our agency or of our space, whatever business we're in and being able to take a look at those items that might be more gender uh, specific or might be more personal belief specific to where then, you know, I think, I think sometimes we don't think about the fact that we can make somebody feel excluded from the group by certain, you know, things that it might not even come up in people's consciousness. Absolutely. We have to be really aware of, you know, our surroundings, how we deal with things, how we talk about things and be also aware of body language too. Cause I think if we're in an environment and somebody 
you know, I mean, if you're on, if you're on, you know, YouTube, you can kind of see, I'm kind of like, they lean back, they kind of cross, you know, they can kind of close off their body language too. I think if we not only listen with our ears, but listen with our eyes, we can see if maybe somebody's a little bit more uncomfortable, if somebody's maybe a little bit, you know, just disconnects from the conversation. That's one thing I do is whenever I am uncomfortable with something, I'll literally just start staring off into nothingness. And I just disconnect emotionally from the conversation and I just don't engage. And my husband, my husband calls me my resting bitch face. I mean, it's (laughs) one of those things where it's like, I'm just done. I'm just done. And I'm waiting my turn to be able to leave this space. Right. And I don't think that we pay attention to things like that. Like we can tell if somebody, I mean, people pick up their phone all the time anyway, but if people really like all of a sudden start really engaging with their phone or if people try to find an outlet that they feel like they can disappear within, you know, maybe they're uncomfortable. And maybe that's something we need as leaders to be able to pay a little bit more attention to very intensively. Absolutely. Yeah. And the safety of the workplace is everything, I believe. I've been in very toxic workplaces and um, feeling unsafe really changes the culture and the dynamics and the inclusion. I mean, it just, you can't have any of that if it's not safe, if it's not a safe space. True. True. I completely agree. And, and I think that we, as leaders, we need to be very aware of that. But then I think we also need to be able to pursue leadership training, leadership conversations, because I don't think we can become better leaders unless we get outside of our box and we can maybe read a book like this one, right? Maybe go to a leadership conference, maybe listen to podcasts about leadership. Renee Brown has great leadership podcasts. Um, Dare to Lead is a great podcast. And it talks about doing the hard things to be able to take care of our people, to be able to lead. The leader has to do the hard things. And it might be that we need to watch our team. We need to listen to our team. Maybe we need to go on in and have a conversation with a team member and say, hey, are you okay? Did this make you uncomfortable? And um, But I think pursuing that education piece for being a leader is really important as well. I think it's something that people need to pay a lot of attention to. And I don't know if in the insurance industry, we do pay enough attention to the concept of that. We, we have all these certifications and all these, you know, all this education that we have in the insurance industry. We go to all these webinars for all these carriers on their products, uh, but there's really nothing in the insurance industry that you have to participate in to be put in a leadership position. And I think people need to educate themselves on being a great leader. Absolutely. There's so much responsibility that comes with being a leader and really doing the best job by what you're saying, being educated. And also um, there was something that was said to me when I first started in the industry that you aren't truly a leader unless you can have um, duplicate yourself. Like you can mm. um, show somebody how to be, how to lead and how to duplicate what you do um, and maybe even be better than you. And yeah. so if you're able to duplicate yourself over and over again with other people by mentoring them, that's when true leadership and you're truly, um, you know, putting yourself to make, out there to make someone better because that's what a true leader does. They're always trying to make others better, which mm-hmm. makes your organization stronger and, you know, happy, happy um, employees stay. 
There's no reason, you know, and we all know that like what December and January is high recruiting months for a lot of companies and insurance. And if your um, employees don't feel comfortable or safe or heard, they're more likely to engage with those recruiters rather than if they are, if they are happy where they're at and they feel safe and they feel like there's a career path where they can move up, you're going to have such fantastic retention. And then they're going to, you know, tell all their friends to come in and join the organization too. So that's how you create a talent abundance. Hello, loyal listeners. Hey, are you a local agent struggling to find markets for your client? Maybe you, maybe not. Look no further than Nation Brokerage Solutions. With over 200 carriers, their comprehensive options give you what you need for your customers' ever-changing needs. With NBS, as they say it in the cool world, you can confidently offer a wide range of options to better support your customers and grow your business, A.K. agency. Don't settle for less. Do more with NBS. For more information about Nationwide Brokerage Solutions, visit nbsbrokerage.com. Cast certified. Oh, I love that a talent abundance is by by being able to do that. But and I agree with you. If we can mentor, that's the difference between a manager and a leader, right? As a manager manages activities, he manages the the day to day things that you're supposed to be doing, right? Your key performance indicators, your whatever it is you're supposed to be doing. But I think a true leader, like you said, takes somebody and raises them, helps them to be able to get the the tools that they need to be excellent. And I love that. Um, that we're saying that we can cultivate that in our team members. It's not just we need to take somebody cold turkey and just say, oh, this is it, right? That we can be a part of that process to nurture and to grow them and to bring them alongside because you're right. I think a great leader does duplicate themselves because then they have other people, like you said, that can go mentor, that can go raise up other leaders. And um, I think, so when people are in an environment that they don't feel like they have a good leader, okay? How can they maybe try to bring up a conversation about leadership or 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 in their environment? Could they maybe become a leader themselves? Could they, could they what, what can we do if we are in a work environment where there's just not a good leader? Maybe you're with a manager, you're not with a leader, right? And you mm-hmm. see these things going on. Like you see maybe somebody's uncomfortable or that maybe, you know, somebody mentioned something that maybe that was a little bit inappropriate, but they're just going to roll their eyes and move on. How can we help raise the culture of where it is, whatever it is that we're working? Um, so that that is um, kind of a, it's a harder question than it sounds like it is because it really, really depends. It's a oriented question. I think it's like, there's so much to it. Yeah, there is. Because if there's not a, if there's not a good leader and you're, you're like, okay, I'm going to take on that role and I'm going to be a good leader in the environment, but maybe that's not wanted where you're at. Um, So you can be, and I, this has happened to me a few times (laughs) where you can be um, deemed as the troublemaker. And so now you have this, like there, you know, she's finding reasons why this person you know, is uncomfortable or um, we're not being inclusive. She, she's just causing trouble or drama when mm. really you're trying to just make the environment better and create a better culture. Um, and it's really having, being able to feel comfortable with whoever is there to be able to have those safe conversations and say like, can I have a conversation w- with you without repercussions 
you know, can we talk about some things that we can do to improve the organization together? Um, one thing that was mentioned to me, and I think this is great, and I think it really helps you as a person as well, is if you're doing really great, like um, in a sales role or a customer service role, and you see other people struggling, taking the, taking the initiative to say, hey, I'm going to mentor you. I want to bring you up. And, you know, while you're doing that, hopefully your, your managers or whoever is on that next level, they can see that you're trying to be a, a lead by example. So that's yeah. really one, one way. And then you can go back to the manager and say like, hey, when I started mentoring um, Sue, she, her production was only at 30,000 a month. And I got her, you know, we were able to find ways to improve her confidence and her closing ratio. And now she's at 60,000. I helped her double that, you know, let's, let's implement a program where we can do that with more of our sales agent or this customer service rep is having a hard time figuring out how to um, be empathetic to clients, you know, um, and training on those soft skills. Cause I think like right now we hear all about the automation, you know, getting everything automated so you don't have to like touch as much, but when clients need you, they need you. They, and they yeah. need you to be empathetic. And also um, what comes with that is sometimes like emotional strain. Like if you're like really being empathetic and you're really um, trying to do the best job for the client and your soft skills are really strong, and um, that can actually wear on you a little bit emotionally yeah. because you're feeling their pain and you're trying to fix it, you know, give them a resolution. So it makes them feel better, but at the same time, it can deplete your um, agents or yep. your customer service representatives. So seeing that too, like if someone has a rough day, you know, um, being, em being empathetic as a leader makes a big difference. Yes. And just saying, you know, oh my gosh, like, we had this cat storm and now you've talked to like 50 clients and everybody is freaking out and you did such a great job calming them down. You know, I think, I think maybe tomorrow you take a half day and go to relax and get a massage or something. Um, whatever that person would need to recharge themselves. Um, because when we give energy, sometimes we needed the energy back. And I think sometimes yeah. that's forgotten. It is. And when you pour into somebody else, you, you do get that energy back, that emotional energy. And it could be even just like you said, letting them have a day, a little bit of time off. It could be just stepping up and being able to just change your day up. I think a lot of the emotional energy, I think whenever I get really stuck on something is that it's just because I feel like I'm doing the same thing repetitively and I'm not getting anywhere. And I think sometimes if we can just... Um, shake it up a little bit, maybe mentor somebody else in our office. Maybe we can say, hey, um, I have heard about this education class. Can I take it online or can I go to it or whatever? Um, you know, maybe the agency could help out with that, pay for it, give you a day off, whatever. But, you know, if we could go ahead and let our, our bosses and our structure and our agency heads know that we want that additional support and maybe that we're looking for it and or we're finding opportunities to give it and or to serve it back into the community, I think that helps to keep our job a little bit more interesting and, and it helps to keep us moving. You know what I mean? And that keeps us from the, the monotony of yes, answering that, that auto question again about comp and collision, you know, or whatever <laughs> it might be, or, you know, yes, your rate went up again, you know, kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And I think we have to shake it up a little bit. We have to shake it and we have to initiate it. Maybe if we could just go to, you know, 
the National Alliance website and find courses that we can take. If we can, you know, maybe just do personal development stuff, right? Like there's that um, masterclass app where we can learn all sorts of things about um, leadership and empathy and all those other types of things. And I think that as individuals, if we want leadership, sometimes we have to step up and we have to show the leadership, maybe even show that it's needed because then maybe somebody else will step up next to us and be able to help the next person to create that culture of of assistance and empowerment is really, really important when it comes down to even if we're not in leadership, Mm -hmm. we need to be able to take that perspective. Absolutely. So what what is the most shocking thing that you have gotten from this book experience. So we already almost a year out. Do you have any situation, conversation, instance, um, thing that you kind of went, you kind of went, you know, uh, that surprised you about this process? What, what, what kind of surprised you about, about the book, the release, the people, what surprised you the most? Um, so I think that, getting the feedback from some of the women that have read it and them saying that a lot of things that I've gone through, they're going through right now. So I've had, Mm. um, I had someone who reached out to me and was like, Oh my gosh, I got let go. I I'm pregnant. And I just got let go. Cause that happened to me in my story. And she's like, I, you know, I didn't know what to do. And um, hearing your story really resonated with me. So that was shocking. That still in, 2022. Yeah. Um, we're still hearing that story happening. Um, the other thing was I had a, um, a supervisor that she worked at a, at a pretty large company and she was saying that she found out by accident that she was getting paid 60% less than someone who had been there less time than her. Really? And, um, that's less huge. Time. 60% and also, is huge. Yeah, it was huge. Yeah, like she, huge. it was a huge. And so that was surprising to me because I know there's a big discrepancy a lot of times, especially even when women make it into leadership roles, a lot of times they're paid less than the men mm-hmm. in those same titles or leadership roles. And so that was kind of shocking. And um, she was, you know, asking me how to, how, how to have those conversations. And honestly, I need to, I need to read up on how to have those conversations in an effective way so that I can help other people. Cause I don't, and I told her this, I was like, I don't want to do anything that could put your job. I don't want to tell you anything and advise anything that could put your job at jeopardy. Cause she still yeah. wanted to be there. Yeah. She just wanted to get paid equal fair amount. Um, and then, you know, uh, I had someone else that like their title, like all the women at the company, their titles changed they got, they got knocked down from like VPs to, to just like a regular, um, just the women. Yeah. It was just the women. And then the men kept their VP role, their VP titles. I don't, I don't think that they changed their pay, but just changing their title changed their authority. At yeah. That company. Yeah. So it's just been like, I, I know that these problems exist. Otherwise I wouldn't have written about them. But it's just still so surprising. And it's surprising that I hear from women from all over the U.S. It's not just Texas. Yeah. In fact, I even had some, I've had a few women from Canada, you know, (laughs) reach out to me, which has been really surprising with um, the same type of situations. 
And um, it's been really cool too, though, that I've seen some organizations that from what I can tell, from when I talk to employees um, that work in there, that, that they're really doing things right. And they're mm. really setting the example for how to um, raise women up in the insurance industry. And they're vocal about it. Good. So like Safeco, um, I don't know if you see the things that they post, mm-hmm. but like all their women talk about, you know, how to make better opportunities for women and what their organization's doing. So they're really involved. And I'm, I'm really like, I'm hoping to talk to a higher up in there and find out like, what's your secret sauce so I can share that with others. And maybe we can start making changes across the industry as a whole. And then I think Progressive does a pretty good job, or at least I, I mean, since they're a woman, uh, they have a woman president. I feel like she, she's done a bang up job, but I don't know what their culture is like other than, you know, knowing that they have a woman <laughs> running the show. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Uh, and I think, I think we've seen a lot of awareness around women in insurance, especially in the last three years. I mean, I've seen so many more like Facebook groups pop up of women in insurance and, um, you know, agency owners of women in insurance and then like different sections of women in insurance. Right. Mm-hmm. And um, I know like uh, Danielle Smink has uh, the the WIIN group, right? Women in Insurance Network, right? And I know that, and she's had hers for a while, but I mean, there's been Cassie Arabelli who's doing, you know, a lot of good coaching for women in insurance, right? There's, I just see so much more awareness around this, but yet at the same point, we have so much more to be able to do. Cause I mean, I still encounter people reach out to me via the podcast and so forth. They're like, oh my gosh, I, loved whatever the topic was. And this really spoke to me because it's something I never hear talked about in the insurance industry. And um, for us to be able to get on out there and use our voices through the groups to be able to engage, you know, to be able to work directly with our teams, be able to recommend some of those groups, maybe to our team members, you Mm -hmm. know, to be able to say, hey, go out there, get the support, even if it's not here where we're at right now to this today is not our forever, right? Like we don't know, you know, we might change jobs, we might change different things. But if we don't take personal responsibility to get that um, coaching, that experience, that that growth, I think, you know, in the camaraderie and the teamwork, right, to be able to ask those questions, hey, I realize that I'm being paid 60% less than, than, than my teammate, right? If we can create that culture where we band together as women and or people with us to be able to have those conversations, I think hopefully we're going to make really good strides because I, I was, there's a lot of a, awareness and a lot of spaces right now that people are trying to make strides with. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think awareness is the first step and then getting, um, getting that awareness to leadership and start having those real conversations and not just talk about it. It needs to like, there needs to be processes in place. Yes. And, um, sometimes, and some of the people that I know that coach, um, on a leadership level about, um, diversity and equity and, um, you know, sometimes like they may implement a strategy and the company may, may put it, may do it for a year or two, and then they start backing off. They start forgetting to do those things. So it's really like staying educated in what to do and how to keep that awareness, awareness and, and how to really mentor one another. And I think career pathing, making sure that everybody knows that there's a way to move up in their company, or even if it's outside of the company, just helping 
create that um, makes people stick longer, makes them yeah. more excited. You know, if you know that your future is going to be really wonderful, then it just makes it makes everyone happier. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And it gives them a vision and a hope, you know, for, for being able to move forward. Nobody wants to be stuck. You know, like we said, sometimes, you know, if we're in a situation where we feel stuck, maybe just doing something different, like, you know, doing some of these things. So, you know, because we're not stuck and the moment that we feel like we're stuck is the moment that we're not going to mentor. We're not going to help raise other people up. We're not going to be joyful. We're not going to be able to help with the culture of wherever it is that we are. And we have to be able to keep our eye on eye on the the prize, right? And, you know, and today's just one moment in time. I mean, you know, we have a whole lifetime, you know, you, like you said, you can change jobs, change, change, you know, sections of the industry. I don't mm-hmm. think people understand the amount of sections of the industry that there are in the insurance space yeah. between underwriters and billing and customer service and sales and technology and, 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 you know, systems and structure and management. And there's just so many aspects to insurance, you know, claims. I mean, there's just so many aspects of it. People can move around, but then those aspects, if they don't like where they are, just move around to another. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And the, the really cool thing that I've seen that a lot of companies and agencies have implemented are marketing teams which I think is so needed because um, typically most insurance people are not creative. Um, I'm a more creative minded person, but most of the time. So it's hard to attract those um, creative people. But if you have people that are focused on marketing and advertising and really building awareness of your company and agency, I mean, you're going to attract the creative people because that's their job, you know? Right. And it's fun for them. And then, um, you know, I don't know. I just think that that is a really cool part of the industry that I've seen um, that wasn't there in the past. Yeah. Yeah. And I think agencies and larger entities are really embracing social media a lot more now. And they're getting their their message out, their brand out, their story out. And I think that's really important. So people want to be able to pursue that in the insurance industry. It's a great it's a great way to be able to use insurance knowledge, but being able to teach and educate on a different level. I love that. Absolutely. Well, Sarah, people want to get a hold of your book. People want to talk to you. How can they get a copy of your amazing book called Undiscovered Voices? And how can they reach out to you, Sarah? Um, so I do have a, a website. So that's something that I just got implemented here. Recently. Congratulations. <laughs> it's um, undiscoveredvoices.org. You can order a book there. Also, I have a Calendly link where you can set up a conversation with me if you're interested in doing that. And um, also my book is on Amazon. Love it. Love it. So everybody going out, get yourself a copy. It is officially coming up for her book anniversary coming up here on January 21st was when they, uh, when, when it was published. So Sarah, I am so excited to see all the wonderful things you're going to do in 23, 2023 coming up, as well as being able to get on out there and to be able to bring more awareness to the topic of women in the insurance space. Thank you so much for all you do. Thank you. All right, everybody, go on out, get the book, and make sure that you join us every single Wednesday right here. If you are on YouTube, you are on Apple iTunes, if you are on Google Podcasts, wherever, we're there. So check us out. Power of Women in Insurance, brand new episode every single Wednesday. And my name is Teresa Kitchens, and I'm honored to be your host. And I will talk to you soon. Have a great day. 
Hey, agents, listen to this. Listen to this. What are we terrible at? Think of it. Think of it. Really? We're, we're terrible at training, right? We're not very good at hiring. We're not very good, terrible at firing, actually. Uh, terrible at creating process and some workflows. Terrible at technology and implementing that technology and even knowing what type of technology we want. And the list goes on and on. Now, listen, I'm an agency owner. And I, you know how it is to, to fix a problem. The first thing you've got to do is you got to admit you have a problem. Here's what you do. Go to virtualintel.com. Check out what we do because we do all those bad things that you can't do. Really? And you may do one or two of them well. Good for you if you can do them all. Just want you to know you're in the minority. But if you can't do any of them good or you don't even want to do them anymore because it just takes too much mental power, then good for you for realizing that and give us a call. I'm telling you, virtual intelligence, that's what we do. And where we specialize in high quality VEs, not virtual assistants. Look it up. Go to ChatGPT. Put in what's the difference between a virtual assistant and a virtual employee. Enough said. I don't have enough time to go on and on about all the differences on this 60 second commercial, but you've got time to search it and look at it. That's what we do. We deliver high quality VEs. We mix the technology with it. We train them on the technology, give them and the technology to you and you're off to the races. I'm not joking with you. You can call my agency at any time, ask for Lordland. And we do ask her, say, how fast are you able to do quotes? I've actually got a couple videos of it. That's right. We can do five to 10 carriers in one quote in three to seven minutes. So you give me an auto quote, I can do five to 10 carriers in three to seven minutes. How are we doing it? We're doing it through the technology of virtual intelligence. Give us a call, check us out. You can ask for me personally, I'll do the demo for you. Who are they? Cast certified.